Popping Collars Podcast presents T-Shirts and You, Partners in Freedom. Hi, I'm Ricardo Avila. You may remember me from such podcasts as Popping Collars and Popping Collars. Hi, Ricardo. Oh, hi, Liz. It's Betsy. Um, I want to show everyone how much I love Popping Collars by wearing your logo on a personal item of clothing. I'm curious, how do Popping Collars t-shirts get from your website to my door? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow down, Betsy. You've just asked a mouthful. Well, it all starts here at poppingcollarspodcast.com. We let the folks at Red Bubble cook up some amazing concoctions with our podcast logo, including stickers, hats, coffee mugs, and yes, even t-shirts. And when the teas are just right, they get spit out from the internet into the real world. Ricardo, I have a friend who says there are no more t-shirts. Is he right? No, Betsy. Your incredibly wrong friend is just ignorant and has never heard of new merchandise. We have t-shirts perpetually being made in multiple colors and multiple styles or multiple fashion tastes. Shouldn't I just buy a book instead? Don't kid yourself, Betsy. If books ever got the chance, they'd take money off you and everyone you care about, and you would never get a t-shirt. Wow, thanks, Ricardo. I'll definitely get a t-shirt instead. Good choice, Betsy, good choice. Get your t-shirt at poppingcollarspodcast.com. Just click the link at the top of the page that says Popping Collars Merch and More and follow the prompts. You'll soon be the envy of all your friends. Pop, pop. The preceding ad is a work of fiction directly stolen from the television show The Simpsons. Popping Collars t-shirts will not make you the envy of all your friends. Books are not out to get you or your family. Greg adds these things because he thinks it's funny and doesn't consider the impact these statements have on people's livelihoods. Popping Collars is a silly little podcast that you should not take seriously, except when you should. By the way, and if I scared you, I'm sorry, but I got tired of waiting. Waiting for what? For you to start your own podcasts. Is that like a requirement or? You're over 30, right? Yeah. You're Caucasian, right? Yeah, Jewish, 164 Cherokee. That's a yes. Meaning both of you are in the prime demographic for ordering some robo-schlongs from Best Buy to record your conversation about something 50 other pairs just like you have already covered. Then businesses can plaster your most uninteresting thoughts with ads for dog antidepressants and other abominable creations of capitalism. Is that why podcasts exist? Uh, pretty much. So... Let's hop to it. Welcome to Popping Collars, the podcast that lives at the intersection of religion and pop culture. The longest running Episcopal podcast of all time. My name is Greg Knight. I work at the Church of Bethesda by the Sea in Palm Beach, Florida. With me are my co-hosts from the great state of California, Ricardo Avila. Ricardo. Hey, Greg, Greg. Hey, it is a great state. Thank you very much. I am the rector of St. Luke's Episcopal Church in Los Gatos, California. 
I always tank at these uh, intros, so I got nothing to say. Yeah. Summer, almost over. Wait, whoops. Summer's over. Oh. <laughs> you know, this, I, I'm, can I just go home now? <laughs> All right, let me try that again. Hey, Greg. Thanks. Uh, we're, we're leaving all that in the pod. Okay. <laughs> That's why we're longest running. So good. My life is so interesting that I can't really talk about it. That's the problem. <laughs> mm. Or boring and no one wants to hear about it. And sometimes <laughs> both. That so, could be my like gravestone. Like, yes. You know, yes. Ricardo, the last time we recorded, you were about to leave for your trip, and people haven't heard if you had a good time on your trip. Oh, oh, right. This is Pod Universe time. Um, yeah, I had a great time. I uh, was in the Holy Land for twelve days, and then Spain for twenty-one. Who gets to go away for five weeks, and it's not a sabbatical, and you still have your job when you come back? Nobody. Wow. Irish priest, and maybe Betsy. <laughs> I don't get to do that. Wow. Uh, uh, No, it was great. In fact, I'm giving a presentation uh, to the parish in a few weeks on my pilgrimage, which will basically consist of my overly long Facebook posts and photos. Uh, And so who knows? They may just never want to go to the Holy Land after that. (laughs) From the great state of Nebraska, it's Liz Easton. Oh, hey, Greg. Um, I'm Liz Easton. I'm the canon to the ordinary in the Diocese of Nebraska. And um, I've had a kind of a little rough stretch of the summer, too, in that I went to summer camp, which was great. But then I got sick because mm-hmm. kids have germs. Mm-hmm. And I was sicker than I've been in years. It was disgusting. And I missed recording a podcast, which I felt terrible about. Then I went on a road trip to Western Nebraska for eight days and it was awesome, but I was kind of sick. So that was hard. Um, and now I'm back and um, still kind of feeling a little fragile. <laughs> so oh, I can't man. make any big promises, mainly emotionally, not so much physically. Oh, okay. I thought it was yeah. that super germ. Like No, it is a little bit. I only just um, have my voice back. That was the last um, symptom wow. to heal. So it was very strange. But um, other than that, I'm doing really well. I could I could ask all of you to apply for a position in beautiful Nebraska, but I've been told that I have to start like paying for advertising space if we do that. So I won't. Yeah. But yeah. but check that OTM. Hmm. <laughs> Thank you, Liz. Yeah, you're welcome. And from the great Commonwealth of Virginia, Betsy Carmody. Such a problem. Such a problem. <laughs> It's very special, right? So, you know, most places, like if you're certified to marry people in the District of Columbia, that actually qualifies for most states, right? So you don't have to get a separate license to marriage people. That does not count in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Wow. You're kidding. Right next door. It does not. It's right next door. And I found that out after I had married two couples in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Which we then had to deal with that. They are two couples very special to my heart. Two COVID weddings. God bless them. And they both dealt with it with grace and aplomb. But anyway, their marriage is very special here. Right. They were. But we fixed it. We fixed (laughs) it through the courts. It was all fine. Nobody had to give up their wedding date. Everything was good. Wow. It was all good. Good. Done in good faith. 
done a good what faith. What a call you would have to make. Just like FYI. It was <laughs> the worst. It was the worst. Because, you know, wow. nobody, everybody had enough going on with a global pandemic. Enough. <laughs> oh. so I've anyway, definitely I forgotten to sign the marriage license on more than one occasion. Yeah. Yeah. But I've never had that <laughs> Never had that happen. Learned a lesson. Learned a lesson. Wow. Learned a lesson. Wait, well, like, I am. <laughs> what? Yeah. So if they had, so like, let's just say they had cold feet like a month into it, and you made that call, they could have just backed out and not had to do anything because they yeah. weren't married. Yeah, because yeah. they weren't really yeah. married. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. They could be like cheated yeah. on their partner. <laughs> I mean, right? I mean, right? And yeah. Been cheating. Wow. Oh, so many options. That sounds like we should write that screenplay too. We just trademarked that, so that no would one be such that. a rom com, wouldn't it? And oh my then, gosh, like, that you would be fell so in great. love with the with the judge that granted the. You know, I can just right. see it. I can just see it. There's a lot of options yes. here. Okay, let's let's workshop this after mm. we record. Okay, great. Uh, but my name is Betsy Carmody. I'm here at uh, the Episcopal High School in Alexandria, Virginia, where it is back to school, even though they've been playing stupid back to school commercials since the end of July, which is like so terrible. Like every time they come on, I like stick my fingers in my ears and just la 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 la. But it's it's now true and children are back and things are happening. So, you know, we're just getting back in the groove, you know, and um, that's what's happening. Oh, that's scary. Funny. So anyway. All right. Here we go. The right, conceit, here we go. <laughs> the conceit of pop culture insists that the things that we discuss on this here podcast are indeed actually popular. However, there are certainly times where our individual tastes have us zigging where the rest of society seems to be zagging. So what we're going to do today, we're going to take a moment to discuss our personal unpopular takes on popular culture. What is the one thing that everyone else seems to share a common opinion about that you find yourself swimming upstream against? That's it. That's all I got for an introduction. So let's wow, That's go pretty the- accurate. Yeah. I hope um, you call on Ricardo first, just based on the look on his face right now. I might take Ricardo's skin looks there. really good. Oh, it's Your me. Skin. It's me. Greg. Okay. Here I go. You ready? Here we go. Hot take central. Are we sure that Steven Spielberg is good at his job? I'll be right. Listen, (laughs) I like uh, Jurassic Park as much as the next guy. I'm a big fan of Indiana Jones. All of this stuff, I think, you know, are entertaining movies. But listen, there's a little bit of sameness to a lot of Spielberg stuff. Oh, I'm a child of divorce. Oh, this is (laughs) like me trying to connect to my parents. Oh, I'm a, you know, precocious little kid. You should love me. Like, I get it. You know, it's just it's it's almost like the same thing from the church world. Here's our hot church goss where like there's somebody that preaches a really good sermon, but they only preach that one sermon over and over again. Kind of feels a bit like Spielberg, right? So I don't know. It's one of those things where 
I feel like I like Spielberg movies in the moment. And then I go back and watch them again. And I think, I don't know. I don't know that that was that good. And uh, and I sort of come away <laughs> thinking, maybe we've been overrating some of this work. Wow. Interesting. When you're talking, it reminds me, I've recently started watching the most recent iteration of Project Runway, which is a, they've brought back people from the other seasons, which I stopped watching. I actually realized I watched Project Runway a hell of a lot longer than I thought I did. Um, I've never watched it with Siriano on it as the Tim Gunn. I kind of stopped watching whenever I think Tim Gunn and Heidi went off. Mm-hmm. which is like through season like 17 or something like that. Anyway, so this is like episode season 20. And on that show, right, you're watching people who design and they're fighting with this idea of, I have a signature style. Mm-hmm. I have a thing that I do that I will bring in. I will riff on it and I will use it. But then they will sometimes get criticized for overusing it. Or we've seen that shoulder from you several times Mm -hmm. so what makes something a thematic something that that you can have as as a something you're exploring in different ways Mm -hmm. different genres whether it's sci-fi or this or that current modern you know dated period piece that you're exploring similar themes or that you're repeating yourself yes that's a thousand percent probably what I'm trying to put my finger on because I do this. Like I'm guilty of this. I'm not putting down Steven Spielberg just for the heck of it. Like I feel like there are sometimes where I get stuck in a creative rut and I'm pulling on the same things over and over again because they're quick and easy and I know I can do them well. And to challenge myself on something feels like it would be more work. Right. And it's like, that's the thing that I think I'm trying to pinpoint is like, when does artistry, when does it feel like you're going into autopilot? And when does it feel like you're actually like reaching outside of yourself and trying to touch something, you know, um, bigger? So you're calling Steven Spielberg lazy. I mean, listen. <laughs> that sounds mean. You're saying uh-huh. that he because I think he's he, fairly ambitious. Like I'm not sure that lazy would be the way to describe. Yeah, I don't think I would use it. that terminology. <laughs> I just feel like there's a sameness to it all, and I feel like he gets a pass because he's been directing movies since you know forever, since like we were kids. It just feels uh, kind of like what um, Betsy was saying that this idea of just kind of hammering the same note. And you contrast that with like someone like um, Scorsese, for instance, who like zigs all over the place, not because he doesn't understand what his voice is, but because he's just curious about all different kinds of stories. I think that's what I'm trying to say is that like and the reason that I was thinking of this is because we were on vacation recently and the second Jurassic Park movie was on. And my my daughters are big Jurassic Park people. They're not scared of the dinosaurs for whatever reason. They just think that they're fun. So we can watch Jurassic Park movies all the time. And we were watching The Lost World. And it was so bad, you guys. Like I was just sitting there like, I can't believe that this is a movie. And I can't believe that one of our greatest directors made this movie. I'm not one to defend Steven Spielberg. But... 
I wonder if it's not so much him that you're bothered by as by the people who are lauding him or giving him the pass. Because he kind of is who he is. You know, you're talking about Scorsese having a lot of curiosity in multiple directions, whereas Steven Spielberg is kind of mining the same, you know, uh, hoeing the same row, if you will, uh, over and over about the kids and the innocence and the all that business. And I agree, but I, I sort of think that's an endless, there's like endless opportunities there. There is a sameness, okay, but I think there's always going to be people who want to eat that up. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas not everyone's going to want to watch the last waltz by the band Scorsese and wait, let me, let me, let me impress you with all my Scorsese knowledge or, you know, uh, good fellas or mean streets or, uh, Oh God, that movie. I don't even know what I'm saying right now, except to say that I agree with you about Spielberg having a sameness, but sometimes there's a comfort in that. And so mm-hmm. I can see being, you know, bored with him, but sometimes we like to read the same short story over and over again or watch the same old movie and so i I sort of don't fault him he seems earnest and i think that's something we don't have much of in our culture these days so variety is really important i think for the health of something and for the life of something and even when it comes to like our own the way that we see something you know in like our own creativity Like, if there's something that we're good at, if we're good at telling the story of, like, divorced parents and precocious kids and aliens and all of that stuff, great. But, you know, maybe, like, look for more times to push yourself. Because maybe it is the, like, Saving Private Ryan's and the Schindler's Lists and those areas where we can actually find a little bit more of our voice, I think. And that's that's all I'm saying. I think he might be too much of an optimist for our reality. You know, it's just uh, things kind of turn out and, and it would, it would be something to, you know, if he directed like, I don't know, like a Zodiac movie or something, uh, which is. Or dang- Oppenheimer. Like, can you imagine Steven Spielberg's take on Oppenheimer? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I think. Yeah. Okay. You know what? I hate him too. Now, thanks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll never watch his movies. <laughs> Steven Spielberg is wonderful. We love his movies. We'll talk about. Well, is Greg is some of this because we're looking ahead on going on thirty. We're going to be watching. I'm pretty we're be sure watching a lot of Steven Spielberg movies. Steven Spielberg. We're gonna. We're gonna definitely watching Schindler's List because it's on well, the, nominated and wins right and so yeah we'll and jurassic that. park is and jurassic park yeah so yeah there's a lot of that the, the fact that those movies came out the same year is yeah. bananas um no but also you know i'm just looking to swerve here i'm just asking the question are we sure steven's <laughs> oh I know you're doing the teenage boy thing. You're like, what? <laughs> I'm just trying to get his clicks. All right. Uh, here we go. I got to be for Betsy next. Oh, you want to get his clicks. <laughs> We're going to get taken down. Are you ready? We, we are. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we or you are. I don't know. Give it to us. Uh oh. Taylor Swift is overrated. Oh. See that I'm the one who understands you. Been here all along, so I can 
Hot take. Listen, if you've listened to this podcast before, you know that at least Liz and I, if something, if there's something that everybody likes, we don't like it. No, not at all. We're not. We're not going to jump on your bandwagon. Not interested. Not interested. Mm-mm. We, you know, I've only seen Hamilton once. Not never a big seen fan. It. Never seen it. Liz, never seen it. Never Mm-mm. seen it. Right? Like we're not into it. We don't. We don't. We don't. We're, we're very Prove whatever. It you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. All those people like it, just like lemmings off a cliff. <laughs> whatever. Not me. Not me. Not me, nope. buddy. You know. So. It's been the summer of Taylor Swift and the bracelets and the it's spring and summer. It's been two seasons, <laughs> right? I'm watching the drama unfold here among my high school students. She's not playing here in Washington. The so people have to go all these other places to go see her. Thousand dollar tickets. Oh my God. Who's invited? Who's not invited? Crying. Uh, you know, just, just drama, drama. People in the counselor's office. Like it's a mess. Like, no, thank you, Taylor Swift. Like, come on. And so, and I've read articles also testifying that this is the rollout that's happening in other communities. But I think, you know, it's, I I don't know whether I wasn't the right age. Am I too old for Taylor Swift? Mm. Like, she didn't come out. Like, I do like 1989 is if I'm going to have to pick an album, mm-hmm. I do enjoy that album. An era. If I oh sorry 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 an yeah. era yeah which is a very long technical period of time if we're gonna pull up Miriam's well it's quite uh, lofty to define lofty. when you're what are you thirty two years old and define right. your career by eras eras okay Taylor so yeah. that's probably my favorite era but overall it just it, it, it's similar to Steven Spielberg there is a sameness. To the music. And I think I, I I appreciate a good emotive song every now and then, but I need some meat. I need some lyrical meat. I need some, you know, political commentary. I need like some some stuff going on. No, I need some opinions. I need some, and, and it's I just, you know, it's it's not enough. I will admit this this the show of the summer that I attended last week was Beyonce, which brings the meat. It yeah. was amazing. And you know, I got my costume changes, I got all my stuff. She doesn't need to call anything era. She is just amazing, right? But just like I'm I'm reflecting on the world and reflecting on society. I'm getting all these different it's, it was it was awesome. Oh, You're doing wow. okay me right now. Oh wow! <laughs> sorry, Taylor, but Beyonce had the best tour. I'm gonna I'm gonna clear I out. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh finish. no! Oh no! Oh, no. I'm not doing. Do not. No. No, Kanye. But yeah. I'm gonna let you finish. No, Taylor. I, I'm really happy for you. I'm gonna let you finish. But Beyonce had one of the best videos of all time. One of the best videos of all time. I'm going to let you finish. I have three things to say. Yes, Liz, three. Okay. They're unrelated. Uh, They're just related to Taylor Swift. One, um, I agree with you, Betsy, and it's hard because I can't tell, like, am I, is this just a moment where I'm feeling my age, you know? Right. When I watch all the kids screaming at the stadium and stuff, like, am I? But there are, I have female colleagues that are your age, Liz. Right, right, 100%. are, Are so excited. 
Totally. That is true. Okay. Um, but so my three unrelated things. One, okay. I saw a TikTok that was showing, um, like, remember back when the Olsen twins did the, when they were little girls and they did those like straight to VHS, like spy yeah, uh, mm-hmm. thing, like yes. shows where they sang songs. Yeah. Okay. And it was sort like, of, it was a, see, I'm a little clip, too old for that. Right. Okay. So it was like a clip of the Olsen twins as little girls singing one of those stupid songs. And it was like, this is how Taylor Swift sounds to me. And like, I sort of felt that way. Like, yeah, yeah. It's like rhyming, like it all kind of sounds the same. So that was just a funny TikTok. One, Mm. two, one. I agree that she's not that great of a songwriter. However, um, I really like um, All Too Well, the 10 minute version. Never. Oh God. You should listen to it. It's really good. Wait, is this the one about Jonathan? uh, No, no, it's about Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, okay. Oh, wait, is this the one about the ex-boyfriend where it didn't work <laughs> out? Tay takes her scarf. <laughs> Listen, They're all look, about she's nominating. Her. Look at this job at the damn scarf. Yeah, it's good. But anyway, I'm just saying, like, look up the 10, 10 minutes. It's 10 minutes long. It's good. Third thing. Here, this is just um <clears throat> I do respect Taylor as a businesswoman. I think she's yeah. very successful. Mm-hmm. However, and this could be a rumor, this could be goss. I have heard, and I think it's true, that on this tour, mm-hmm. she flew home every night mm. on a private jet. Mm. She has gotten the worst rating environmentally. I mean, that's for terrible. This tour. That's terrible. Did mm-hmm. Greta Thunberg call her out on this? She, she should. You know, she's been accused of going for the grab, you know, not of trying to be not controversial mm-hmm. so that she can stay middle of the road and appeal to everybody. Well, and people, I think what's hard for me is the people who are saying that, like, she's truly a genius, like one of the greatest songwriters of our time. And I, that feels like a real stretch to me. I also am not saying that she can't put on a good show, because clearly Mm -hmm. she can't. And clearly people are getting something out of being together, Mm -hmm. the community aspect of this. I have bands where I feel this way when I go to see them, but it's just, the the music just doesn't inspire in the way that I would want it to. And I, I normally feel myself drawn to the show of the summer or whatever, but mm. that was not my show of the summer. You know, I'll take I'll take the beehive mm. over the over the Swifties and in, in this in this uh this show. I have okay. one thing to say. I have just one Here thing. Here he comes. But it's gonna okay. take a long time. Here it is. So- Great. Buckle up. So first of all, I never thought I'd be put in the position of defending Taylor Swift. Oh, whoa. All right. Uh, But let me begin with, because I just can't resist. Haters going to hate. Hate, hate, Uh, hate. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So (laughs) here's the, I I don't really know her music that well. Mm -hmm. Oh, like five songs, maybe. And so I, I, I can't really... You know, I can I can have opinions about her, but I I again I wonder like with the Steven Spielberg, how much of it is her and that she's doing the samey thing, and how much of it is that we're pissed because it's so um popular and so everyone's talking, she's a genius, or wow, her concerts are selling out. She's the she's got the most number one albums of any woman ever thing. And that's what I mean by haters gonna hate. I don't know what we expect when someone's that popular. Are they going to be that edgy? I mean, it sort of goes hand in hand, I think. If if you're going to appeal to so many people, you got to be kind of bland. 
well, or, or, but, and I think the five songs I have heard, I was sort of, there was a, there's always a little something that's interesting in them. Like, oh, well, that's interesting. And I can only think of the recent, recent ish. I don't understand her music. I feel like, doesn't she remake her albums? So she only has like three albums, but she has made 12 out of them or something. So she can, she can get the, the tracks back. It's a right? very badass thing that she's doing, honestly. Yes. She's giving mm-hmm. the masters back for all of her recordings. It's a, it's genius. Genius. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Inspired, really quickly, really quickly. Reba McIntyre did the same thing. And mm-hmm. um, allegedly, that's partly how Taylor got the idea was through Kelly Clarkson, who was Reba McIntyre's daughter-in-law. Mm. Wow, nice. <laughs> that's a hot mm-hmm. take. Um, so mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think I'm just, so there's a song, I think it's called Betty and it's on that folklore album and she's singing the song from the viewpoint of a guy. And I don't, you don't know it until like two thirds of the way through the song. It's like, Oh, is this a lesbian song? And then it's not, but it's still really interesting. So I thought, well, that's nice. And there's a song she does with Bon Iver on that same, I think it's called Folklore album, called Exiles. And I think it's a beautiful song. And he sings half of it. And I like the Shake It Off song, and I like the Lover song. Lover, that lover, that whole thing. Can I know who you you know she's got a pop sensibility and i think she does good at what she does and i think she does know how to write songs i think she does know how to play guitar yeah there's a sameness to the songs but i will defend the few i have heard maybe all the rest of them are the same and boring but i think there's a there's a hook i yeah i mean she's not edgy she's not political she's not in that interesting but i think her songs are have a little something so here we go. Wow. Okay. Taylor Swift. Amazing. So next up is Ricardo. What do you have in store for us? Well, Greg, I what I dislike in popular culture that most people like is making decisions on what you're going to say in a podcast <laughs> ahead of time. I just hate that. And so... Um, wait, I have a question. When you say hot take, what does that mean? Oh, it just means um, something that uh, people would react to if they heard you say it. Like, like, a, like, a, like a, a scandalous thing. That's mm-hmm. my thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the hot take is not that you dislike this thing, but it's that the thing you dislike is so controversial that you would dislike it. Or you like something that other people have really panned mm-hmm. okay okay well can i just i'm a, I'm a big geely fan yeah <laughs> or or you know what i don't really like frank sinatra or you know like or whatever it is yeah oh wow whatever it is well so i just turned 57 years i just turned 57 years old and i'm by far the oldest of all four of us and so i sort of feel like grandpa on the lawn right now <laughs> Get off my lawn, you kids. Um, but I, I don't have I don't have a big thing that I dislike that everyone else loves because I sort of don't like a lot of stuff people love. And I but I'm not that interested. I'm not that invested in it or something. So uh I guess I'm gonna just throw a bunch out and you're gonna be mad because I don't pick one and you need one for your little visual or something, right? Oh, okay. On the, 
on the website. So Mm -hmm. I didn't really like Beyonce's Lemonade album. Wow. I found Mm -hmm. it. But you know what? I didn't listen to it enough. I think it's complex. And I think I was expecting a dancey kind of, but like fun, but like, you know, like I love Crazy in Love. I I don't, I, I will never talk that that song down. I think it's perfect. But when I first heard Lemonade, I I found it kind of, um, I don't know, I I just couldn't get into it. And so, and I know that there's a video and the video makes the music make more sense, but I'm not a fan of having to see the video in order to like the song. So Mm. is that a hot take? Lemonade's pretty great. Yeah. So I can be wrong. I I can't even defend it. Um, Here's a hot take (laughs) that you might want to cut from the podcast. I will actually probably still watch some old Woody Allen movies. There's an old joke. Um, Two elderly women are at a Catskill Mountain resort, and one of them says, boy, the food at this place is really terrible. The other one says, yeah, I know, and such small portions. Well, that's essentially how I feel about life, full of loneliness and misery and suffering and unhappiness, and it's all over much too quickly. The, the other important joke for me is one that's uh, usually attributed to Groucho Marx, but I think it appears originally in Freud's wit and its relation to the unconscious. And it goes like this, I'm paraphrasing. Um, I would never want to belong to any club that would have someone like me for a member. That's the I haven't seen all of the ones I want to see. A lot of them are kind of deadly dull. And I haven't seen the, the documentaries about the family, you know, and the, the daughter. So I, I don't know, but um, I remember some of his movies being kind of seminal for me when I was kind of in college and such. And they sort of expanded my mind about what an intellectual life might be like or a neurotics because I was neurotic and I could relate. And and so but I know we can't like him anymore. And so I, I won't particularly blab about it, but I think Crimes and Misdemeanors is a great movie. And I think it has a lot to say about good and evil. Uh, I think Annie Hall is endearing as a movie. And so there's kind of a hot take that will be unpopular. That's what we're doing, right? <laughs> yeah, that works. <laughs> no, I think that that's, that actually does work because there have been a few. I mean, now listen, early 90s um, Woody Allen isn't the greatest Woody Allen but there have been lists that we've looked at where Betsy and I are looking at movies to talk about for the year. Then, like, oh, there's the Woody Allen movie for that year, not considered, like, not, not, not even considering talking about it. Right. Mm-hmm. The only thing that we would talk about is like whatever got nominated, Midnight in Paris or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Kind of- what we're forced to talk about. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, but that makes me seem like. <clears throat> But that, I mean, does that mean I condone whatever actions he did or that I believe that he's right and the daughter's wrong? No. But at what point, so at what point do I have to put my art, love, artistic love where my mouth is kind of thing? I think point? that's like the question of our age right now. You know, that's kind of where we're at is like, can you still appreciate an artist even now when you know about their problematic mm-hmm. behavior? I think a lot of people are asking that question. Right. Because it's not like your hot take is, you know, I think Harvey Weinstein really was trying to help them with their careers. <laughs> you know, you're not saying that. But right. are you saying, you know, I'm not going to not watch a Miramax film that right. was made during the time of Harvey Weinstein. Right. But then it's like, am I going to, you know, 
play Michael Jackson on a mix at the yeah. gym for a for a you know Orange Theory class or you know right like so kind of how where do you draw the lines mm-hmm. the inclusion of artists and yeah, I, think, I think and we've talked about that on this podcast yeah. before a you lot know? yeah yeah I mean that's yeah. and that's that's the tricky part too is that you know a really good artist which Woody Allen is making really good art you want you know like you want to give it the uh, value that it deserves and yet the personal life of the artist is the problematic thing right it's like it's one of these things where um in the wrestling world this is something that comes up sorry to really i love it when you talk about the wrestling world great but uh (laughs) there was a there was a wrestler who was an amazing wrestler who uh, had tremendous matches that are in the WWE library right now. He actually, he murdered his wife and child and committed suicide, Mm -hmm. right? His name is Chris Benoit. And so what WWE has to do is figure out, okay, so we have this library of, you know, pay-per-views that we've put on. Chris Benoit is on them. He wrestles in tremendous matches on them. He's in main events on them. Do we not feature them on our service or do we feature them but run some kind of like, you know, disclaimer, uh, disclaimer before each one? Well, and sometimes like for me with Woody Allen, <clears throat> and I would encourage you, Ricardo, just because it's interesting and as an experiment to watch the documentary on HBO about me, if I think it's called Pharaoh versus Allen or Allen. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, for me, like it made me not like his work. It wasn't so much about like, um, Oh, I don't feel good about supporting this or generating any more income for this person. It was more like now that I know sort of the mind of this artist, I no longer like the work in in his particular case. Now, like with Michael Jackson, I wish that that were true for me. I wish that when I heard a Michael Jackson song, I didn't immediately like start dancing. So even though, God, I watched that documentary too. Horrifying. That Michael Jackson leaving Neverland or whatever. My God, horrifying. So I think that there's a difference between feeling like I have this moral obligation that I have to not like this person because I'm being told that I'm not supposed to, even though most of us, I think, do have the capacity to separate the art and the artist. Or like when you have the exposure to more of their background or orientation or whatever it is that you are actually like, oh, God, I don't I don't want to hear what you say anymore. Like, I, I don't want your perspective. Yeah. I mean, I remember getting the Willies watching Manhattan, you know, even before any of this came out, like when it first came out and I saw it with, um, oh gosh, was it Muriel? Meryl Hemingway. Hemingway. It was like 16 or something. It was being kind of sexualized and that, that felt creepy even back then. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, maybe the moral of the story is that our, our, there's a different part of our psyche that is, uh, activated when we are creatively or, you know, co- kind of in, enlivened, you know, the Michael Jackson song, you just can't help but tap your toes to. Uh, and then there's the moralistic side. It's good to 
have the moral side kind of police some of the other stuff, but we're not perfect people. You know, we're, we're not, we're not perfect moral beings. And, and I think I, I, I bristle a little when there's a stridency to people telling me what I can and can't do, even if there is a good reason uh, for it. But that kind of, I mean, I don't love that about myself, but I think it's true for everyone. And I think I, I'd rather land on authenticity. I also don't like Wes Anderson movies. Thank you. Uh, actually, that's not true. I don't like Wes Anderson's directing style and the preciousness of them. And this came up in an episode back when, when you had that nice fellow. And I think I was being mean about Wes Anderson. But I, I do like that Budapest movie, The Hotel and mm-hmm, others. But precocious young people, I just drive me nuts. So. Mm. I like how I like how Ricardo essentially turned this into a hot take support group. Like I felt <laughs> like after after he would share things that we would be like, "Hi, Ricardo." Like, you know, like he was just yeah, just just sharing. I'm Ricardo. Sharing. And I don't like Wes Anderson films. <laughs> Hi, Ricardo. I'm sorry. You know, I also no, it's good. I don't like pop culture in some ways either. Wow. By the way. I mean, You're I'm on like, the wrong podcast, my no, friend. What? No, he just he, you define it more broadly. I, I, a oh, larger I, timeline, popular I, culture at all times of time. Well, it's an opinion. It's an opinion. Mm-hmm. But like I do, I do, I find myself more at home reading that Dostoevsky or that Dickens. And I, I just, you know, I could find a way to watch those HBO shows, you know, but I, I just don't. So I think. I don't know. Maybe there's just too much. Maybe that's it. There's just too much. And I don't like feeling that overwhelmed. And so I just stop. Okay. That's enough of me. Did I give you an answer? Yeah. Yeah. We're going to play up that Woody Allen part. I think. Oh, yeah, hate mail. Well, listen, you know I'm worried about the Taylor we, Swift thing. The Do you Swifties think the are Swift? coming after us. Stop it. They, are they going to? No, no, okay. no. No, they I've don't. Dug back I, got, I got scared all of a sudden. I've dug back through some of our old episodes from like 10 years ago and stuff like that. We have said some just outrageous stuff in <laughs> retrospect. <laughs> like what? There was one episode where for like 15 minutes, we went off on how great of a person Kevin Spacey is. No, no. Like, oh, oh, no. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> Hmm. Well, okay. Well, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> and we're still here, everyone. House of it was the House of Cards House episode. Of cards, yeah, back in the day. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, uh, Liz, you're our last uh, unpopular. <laughs> All right, who are we offending now? Let's so go. mine, like, I don't think it. I have some notes. Excuse me. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> wow. I don't think that this is necessarily such a hot take but by the numbers it is an unpopular opinion in the sense that the thing that i'm talking about is apparently quite popular so um Mm. my take i guess uh is that i'm trying to find a way to say this that's not too hyperbolic i think that hgtv is evil adjacent. (laughs) Newlyweds Anna and Eric have been living at her parents' house in Carmel Valley, California, while they hunt for a tiny home of their own. They've traveled to Portland, Oregon, and have seen several places within and beyond their $55,000 budget. Now they have to decide which one to buy and have shipped down to California. 
Too much. Ooh. What are you thinking on the uh, beige one? This home was just 393 square feet and is priced well under budget at just $37,000. The price is really attractive because we could do whatever we want. I mean, we could remodel the kitchen. Sure. That one, of all the homes that we saw, had by far the biggest bathroom. I think that the upstairs could potentially be a place where I could do work. It is kind of short, but most of my work I'm doing with the laptop and I'm sitting. What about the uh, custom house? At $74,000, this home was the smallest at just 204 square feet. I was actually surprised by all the character that it had. Exposed copper piping. Even the copper walls makes it really unique. The base price. <laughs> I don't want to say it's evil, but I think it's evil adjacent. It's at least. Oh, you're pulling, you're pulling punches, Liz. Mm -hmm. I know. You're I know. pulling punches. What? What? Okay. I think that it's, it can, it, it is aligned a little bit with the forces of darkness in our culture. And wow. here's all that I'm going to say. I, I don't have a whole lot to say, especially because I don't have. You I have don't notes. Have, I do have notes, but I don't have um, cable, <laughs> so it's not even like I really watch HGTV. But recently, so backing up, okay, I am a big fan of the Teen Mom franchise, as we all know. One of my favorite uh, Teen Moms was from Teen Mom 2. Her name is Chelsea DeBoer. She now has an HGTV show with her adorable husband, Cole DeBoer, and they like renovate houses in um, Sioux City. Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Anyway, they're just adorable. And um, I was really happy when I discovered that their show was on HBO Max, which I do have. I don't have HGTV, but I do have HBO Max. So it was my first time kind of like diving into and binging a home renovation show. And it took me not even two episodes before I was thinking, God, I need all new furniture. Like, I mean, it just happened. The consumerism mm. just happened like that. And there was a alignment between the just like conspicuous consumerism and um, a uh, sort of like vision for life or like a, um, a, what would the word be? Like a lifestyle, I guess, that I, my, uh, my objective evidence-based mind knows is BS, right? I know that like, if you have beautiful furniture, that doesn't mean you have a peaceful life <laughs> or it doesn't mean that you have a happier life or a more successful life or anything like that. But all of a sudden I'm thinking like, God, like shiplap really is, does really look good on the walls or like, um, you know, Live, laugh, granite, love. granite countertops and like copper and like all these things that uh, it's just not, I mean, not my, not my life. And generally speaking, not my interest. So what was so fascinating to me was how um, formulaic the whole um, experience was and how effective it was in making mm. me think, um, oh, I'm not good enough. My life is not good enough. My things are not beautiful enough, whatever. The reason that I think that this might be like evil adjacent or sinful is that um, we all know that like a real um, overvaluing material possessions is not good for our spiritual health and wellness. Um, mm -hmm. That that is, you know, there's some golden calf situations happening there, but also we know that like um, 
the majority of Americans are just in like catastrophic debt. And most of it Mm -hmm. is consumer debt. So we have like people, whole, whole industries peddling to us this idea that like, your home can be more beautiful and um, can be updated over and over and over and over again. Like now big furniture brands have like seasonal furniture collections, the way that fashion houses do with the fast, like fast furniture. Exactly. The idea that you would replace your couch every year or every couple of years. Whereas like in my entire lifetime growing up, we had like two couches like, I remember it was like, oh, my God, it's a big deal when you get a, got a new couch. And like, how do you adjust to that reality? All of that is, uh, I think, bad for us. And let me tell you a little something. Oh, There's a little something I learned that I think is fascinating. In the 1940s, the average American house was 1,200 square feet. Now, that's small. Okay. Mm-hmm. And now the average American house is 2,600 square feet. So the average American home has doubled in physical size and square footage, even though the average American family has shrunk. So we're housing fewer people Mm. in bigger houses. And Mm -hmm. um, there's a whole industry mainly that like um, centers affluent white people around telling the story that you need more house, different house. Bitch Media, Bitch Magazine had a great article about how um, home improvement shows are basically like a neoliberal gospel. Like it just um, showcases and lifts up neoliberal virtues. This idea, so oftentimes there's this story about the family who like is down on their luck in some way. And then the home improvement show comes in to like rescue them with granite countertops, never recognizing that actually the social safety net has completely um, betrayed them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But but these Ty Pennington can come in and Move save that them. Bus. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's my story on HGTV. I know it's a little while. It's a little out there, but. Mm thoughts opinions i'm with you where does magnolia fall into this world they're huge so magnolia was um from what i've learned today they were like an hgtv kind of staple now they're getting their own network so they're they're spinning they're leaving hgtv to start their own network and apparently they have like transformed the community of waco texas like they gentrified waco like that and it is like it's a big problem in um, the city of Waco. Apparently, is the these Magnolia people? I don't know. Can you define for our listeners what Magnolia is? It's not the movie by right. Oh, no, this is um, Chip and Joanna Gaines. Gaines. This is the Gaineses. So this is yeah. a couple. Yeah, and they're like home yeah. improvement. What's the name of the, What's people. the name of their show? Like Fixer Upper. Fixer Upper. Fixer upper, come on. Um, yeah, that's where the sh- ship lap and cutting things out of corrugated metal and putting it on the wall and you know, all of those, you know, raw, raw edge, live edged wood furniture mm-hmm. and you know, barn all doors. of these kind of trends. Yes, barn doors, <laughs> things on tracks. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, what you said about fast furniture i think that was the term that betsy used but like that idea of like fast fashion yeah turning over um 
furniture. Like it just makes me wonder if part of our brains isn't influenced by technology and the fact that we buy things that have high have like a, a high price tag with a year or a two year shelf life, you know? And it's like, it makes us evaluate everything in our home the same way. Mm. It's like, oh, my television has a high price tag, but I can switch it out every two years, you know, that kind of thing. And it, and then we, it just kind of goes from there to like mattresses and couches and dining sets and, you know, on and on and on. No, but they have lower price tags. They have right, lower exactly. Even the like for furniture. Yeah. Yeah. If you're going to home goods for furniture. Or at home or mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's still more expensive to buy a new cheap couch every three years than to buy one expensive right. couch every 20 years or you right. Know, but because because we've we think of our consumable items as disposable now, more and mm-hmm. more now, because of mm-hmm. the way that like our our phones work and our you know our um iPads work and our Kindles work and stuff like that. Maybe not laptops. Mm-hmm. Those tend to have a little bit longer life. But like those things go so quickly that like everything else, everything else in our home's life goes quicker as well. Well, and also I think there's something about um style versus like taste or <laughs> like I don't know what the difference is, but like a lot when you watch a lot of these shows they are presenting to you what is stylish right now or what is trendy right now and um i think that we don't maybe have the same appreciation just as a culture generally for like beauty maybe as we used to mm-hmm. um but there is like an aesthetic of um this is what is popular right now so like those gray floors like, what is that? Like, what a gray laminate, mm-hmm. you know, fake hardwood. Like, all of a sudden, now that looks, like, rich. It looks wealthy. And um, people are just spending their... Why are you laughing, Ricardo? We have that gray laminate floor. Everyone does. Everyone does. It's so fake, and it's pulling up. Yep, it's everywhere. Like, you can't find an apartment without gray laminate flooring right now. It's also selling a relationship, a lifestyle, a, you know, you're, you, Chip and Joanna Gaines are popular because you're also like interested in what kooky thing is Chip going to do on the show. And like, you're, you're into them as, as personalities, as well as the style and the other things that are kind of being shown as well on the show. So it, it becomes this whole interwoven thing and you're right yeah you watch it and suddenly episode two it's like what i just feel like i need to buy some new things (laughs) and yeah it was amazing for me how quickly that happened and like i i think that it's beautiful to invest in your home and make your living space a beautiful place that feels um uh like a sanctuary for you if you can Mm -hmm. And, and i also think that I just worry, especially about young people, like I don't want to sound like an old person, but I worry a lot about young people Mm -hmm. coming up who have an expectation largely through social media that a home has to look a certain way. You have to have these types of things. You have to have this type of design quality. And um, it creates a not only kind of like a chaotic spiritual life of constant striving, 
but it mm-hmm. actually is hard to get ahead financially or even get settled financially when you are running this treadmill of constant consumerism all the time. So I never thought I'd be the one to be defending home improvement. I love it every time. <laughs> I got two things to say, and I'm really probably not going to defend them at all. But so is it HDTV or HGTV? G, home and garden television. HGTV. Home and garden television. So there are there's gardens. very little gardening. And just some gardening. I haven't heard of the garden because I guess you can't. But it's the most viewed cable channel in the world outside of 24-hour news. So if you take away the news channels, more people watch HGTV than any other cable news content. Than the Food Network? Mm -hmm. Wow. So I just want to confess here that I take this little perverse pride in like being dumb about new things. I think I'm like better than everyone because I don't know these things. And that's not true. I'm better than everyone for other reasons. So, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, I know what you're talking about. And I've seen like snippets of those, like I'm in a waiting room or something. And I, I just find them so dull. I don't understand. Why are people watching this? I think and, they're relaxing. For yeah, some I people. think it's background television for a lot of folks. Oh, okay. It's, it's also, I think, TV that you can agree to watch in mixed generational company it's uncontroversial yeah we'll watch it as like if we're all sitting down to watch something together typically like at the holidays sometimes we'll watch it like as a like it it or the food network like so when we were before the beyonce concert in our hotel in in charlotte you know we we were like gonna eat dinner hang out or whatever we're talking but then like we're tired like we've flown my sister driven and i'm tired and so I turned it on and turned it to HGTV because it's just, you know, oh, what silly 30 minute whatever thing is on. And there was so much advertising. Mm-hmm. So many ads. It seems to me that, okay, so here's where I defend it. It seems to me that it's it's basically just another symptom of our own dissatisfaction with life. You know, I buy way too many books. Because I have I have found the friends of the library bookstores around here in the libraries. I can get great books for like a dollar. And so I have 18 books in my trunk right now that I, I don't know when I'll ever read. Don't tell William. And, you know, I don't have a place to put them, but it makes me feel good to feel like I am participating in buying something that I find is quality and I think is going to make my life better. And they've been sitting in the car for three days now. You know, I, I don't even remember what books they are. And I imagine, you know, mutatis mutandis, that's what sometimes happens with people who buy the furniture from these shows. They're kind of, they're, they're living out some dissatisfaction and thinking that this will, um, so so it's, it, I think we're all, we're all in it in our own ways. I'm sure each of you has that thing that you spend mm-hmm. too much on that is is trying to fill a well not to say to fill the void in your soul (laughs) that gaping wound in your soul but you know and and so a little bit i want to say well yeah and certain the consumer thing evil is evil adjacent you're right because it 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 manipulates right doesn't it yeah there's a difference between a one dollar book and a thousand dollar couch you know that you can't afford 
you know, like that, that's what, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's just, I think that the reason I brought it up is that it was interesting to me how potent the message was that my, uh, what I had was not enough, which is not a thing that I think any other time. So it, all it took was me watching a couple episodes of a show to be like, looking around my living room and be like, God, is that out of style? Is that out of, you know, like, do I need, it was just amazing. And I, I just think that media is so sophisticated and the people who make it are so sophisticated that that was entirely intentional. Nice. Okay. Uh, let's wrap this up. It's now that everyone hates us. I know <laughs> you were saying For something. Our hot like, we're canceled. Yeah. yeah Longest running Episcopal podcast. No more. No more. Cancel. What will they say next? That's what people will think. They will tune back in to hear what our next thing is. Greg, I don't know if you've written your outro, but um, I believe that the Episcopal Journal no longer exists. Oh, no. Hang That's on. Whoa, <laughs> oh, pull it up. Is this possible? Yeah. yeah. Breaking news. Wow. Editor Rob Gleisman Gilsman's farewell. Yeah. Oh, okay. I see. Episcopal Journal and Cafe suspends publication as of August fifteenth. Wow. Why? Why? All right. All right. Well. Hang on. Hang on. Let me make some edits. All right. Here we go. That's it. Another episode of Popping Collars in the Books. Thanks for listening. You can support your favorite Episcopal podcast by buying our merch. Just go to poppingcollarspodcast.com. Click the little tab at the top. You'll find our store full of fabulous items. You know what else you're going to find there? If you click on the PC merch and more tab at the top of our page, you are going to find the opportunity to vote for your favorite movies in the fourth annual Golden Poppers. Because Betsy and I have completed the movies for this year, and we have all of the categories ready to vote on. So. Go to our website. You can buy a t-shirt and vote for your favorite movies in the Going on 30 Golden Hoppers. Uh, you can also find us hanging. No, you cannot. Never mind. This is the edit part. Take Wait, you out. should say goodbye. Yeah. Journal. Oh, uh, yeah. Let's bid a fond farewell to the folks at EpiscopalJournal.org and the cafe that housed us for so long. We loved them, and you would have too if you had gone to their site that featured all of your Episcopal news and journaling needs. So EpiscopalJournal.org, fare thee well, whatever the future holds. Now we've outlasted them too. Wow. Oh, wow. 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 (laughs) Man, incredible. Incredible. Uh, we're just going to be the last thing standing and it, like, we're going to have to turn out the lights on the Episcopal <laughs> church. <laughs> um, that, that would be CPG. Okay. Oh, right. Yeah. right. We'll still get our pensions. Right. And with that, that is popping college for this time. Thank you, Ricardo. Thank you, Liz. Thank you, Betsy. We will see you next time. And keep those collars popped. Pop, pop. Pop, I mean, that's super sad. Like I know they were like our first partners in the pod. Mm-hmm. As in, in fact, like I didn't think we were legitimate until they were until they reached out to me and said, "Hey, can we feature you on the show?" And I was like, 
do people listen to us? <laughs> like, that's, that's what I they were important, especially for a certain time in the Episcopal Church's life, you know, during the controversies. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were very important. Well, they were going to drop us after this podcast, this episode anyway. So oh, yeah. wow. canceled. We'd be canceled. Wow. Yeah, we were going to be canceled.